Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good to have you with us this morning here. It is, um, what is today actually? July 12th, I think, right? July 12th. Good to have you all with us today. Um, just wanted to echo one of the things that Pastor Rob said in the announcements that we are going to stay in a 10 a.m. service format through the month of July. Uh, based on what the RSVPs are through the month, they'll make a decision to either change to two services in August or continue uh, during the month of August. It all depends on the RSVPs, uh, and we'll see where that continues to go. Um, next week, Pastor Rob is going to be speaking in our series, and uh, I'm encouraged to, to have him take that. He's going to be tackling a great topic uh, that I'm not going to tell you what it is until he's here next week. He can tell you what it's going to be. Uh, but then next, the following week, the 26th, I just want to mention for you, um, the Chris McFadden is going to be here at Bridge. Chris, McF- Chris McFadden is the uh, the director of Teen Challenge in Rarsburg, Pennsylvania, and he's going to be coming the end of this month on the 26th, and he's going to be talking specifically around the myths of addiction and how we can continue to help people that wrestle with addiction. He has some powerful stories, and he has some great information for all of us to just to apply and how the gospel really connects with that. Chris is a great guy and um, has done a great work in Teen Challenge over the number of years that he's been there. So that's what's happening over the next few weeks. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And while you're turning there, let me just pause for a minute. I know um, some of you or many of you are aware just over the last week, just what's happened in our family. For those of you that are unaware, um, on Tuesday, my mother passed away um, and uh, she, um, she wrestled with, uh, she had cancer about uh, almost a little over a year and a half ago. She was diagnosed and she underwent surgery in December of 2018. Um, on Christmas Eve, she had surgery. So we were up in December of 2018, a surgery. She had gastric cancer and they removed about half of her stomach. Um, it appeared as if everything was gone. She seemed cancer free. Uh, about seven weeks ago, we found out that it returned and it was in her liver. Um, and after her being in the hospital for about a week to deal with some other issues, she went home. We thought we'd have a little more time, but um, well, the cancer got the best of her in this situation, and she went home to be with Jesus on Tuesday. Um, I want to thank everybody who was aware of that, who sent prayers and texts and emails, and people who were just being kind on behalf of our family. Thank you very much for just being kind and supportive. You know, in situations like this, I know it's a difficult thing sometimes, and people don't really know what to say. And I've been in that place many times. What do you really say when someone loses a loved one? Um, and I'm always reminded sometimes it's not what we say, it's where we are. You know, in the book of Job, where Job lost so many things that were close to him, from his possessions to his family, uh, to everything except uh, even his own health he lost. Um, He was there in ashes and sackcloth, and the scriptures say his friends came to visit with him, and for the first seven days they said nothing. And I think we need to remember that regardless of what we're going through, sometimes presence is more powerful than what we say. So thank you for just letting us know that you're here and that you're praying for us. It really does mean a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, I could spend all morning talking about how my mom loved people and loved Jesus, but I'm not going to do that. We're going to reserve that for a service we're planning for the beginning of August. But I will tell you one thing. I will tell you last week, um, last week when I had a conversation with her and she was, uh, she was laying in bed, she looked at me and she put her finger up. And you know, anytime your mom puts your finger up, you got to watch. <laughs> she put her finger up and she looked at me and she said, and she pointed just like this. I was like, all right, what's coming? And she said, Always preach the gospel. 
always preach the gospel. And you can't disobey your mom. Always preach the gospel, always preach the word, always preach the gospel, always preach the word. We're going to talk about the word of God this morning, and we're going to talk about it in something that God put on my heart earlier this week um, as part of this series. So I'm here this morning to share it with you, and I'm going to ask before we, we do that, would you just join me as we just bow in prayer and just invite the Lord to speak to us through his word today. Father, we just come before you today, and we just pray in your name that as we open your word we would be reminded today that they're not just letters and characters on a page, but they are truly inspired words that come from you and you alone. God, I want to thank you for this word. I want to thank you for, the, for the, the gift that we have at this time of the world's existence, that we don't have to listen to what someone else says the word says. We can read the word. We can have the word in our homes. We can have the word in our hearts. We can have the word in our, in our pockets, Lord. We can bring the word everywhere that we go, and we can read it and let it transform us. So God, as we open up your word today, I pray that our hearts would be touched, our hearts would be transformed, and we would draw closer to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, we're going to continue our You Asked For It series, where we've been looking at questions people have submitted to us over the last number of weeks. We've covered different topics on addressing the racial divide. Excuse me. We've looked at discipleship and how you help people grow spiritually, and what does that really look like? Uh, Last week, when Pastor Nick was here, we talked about um, unforgiveness and bitterness and how God has a plan for us to release that in a discussion format. Today, I don't have a discussion with anybody else sitting up here with me. I just wanted to take a message and bring it to you directly that I think um, we all need to hear. And I want to answer one question that is probably one of the more popular questions we've heard over the years, being in church ministry and pastoral work. And the question is simply this, how can I hear the voice of God? How can I hear the voice of God? I have heard this question so many times over the years. People have wondered how that is. Sometimes we even wonder if it's even, excuse me, if it's even possible. It is absolutely one of the biggest questions people have. And some people to be able, seem to be able to hear God speak more than others. Um, If you know people around you, you maybe know that maybe some people around you seem to hear God all the time. You know, the Lord told me this, or the Lord told me that, or, you know, the Spirit of God talked to this. And, and, And I've heard people in two different camps. I've heard people talk about how often they hear God speak to them. And then I hear some people say, I don't know if I ever hear God speak to me. How do I know? And if I do hear something, how do I know it's God? How do I know it's just not my opinion or my feelings or my emotion? What does that really look like? And if we're not careful, sometimes the things we hear or we think we hear or maybe what other people say, we can become skeptical, especially if things people say to you that God said to them don't come to pass or aren't true. And maybe you have some of those experiences. I could go back and share stories with you where I've spoken with people over the years and they're like, the Lord told me to tell you this or the Lord said this. And I just go, okay, I'll just be honest with you. Anytime someone tells me that, I always appreciate them willing to do, being willing to do that, but I never take it at face value. I take it, I grab it, and I stick it in my pocket and I say, God, now you're gonna have to confirm that word. Not because I doubt the individual, but because I trust God. So we have to remember that. It's not a bad thing for people to want to speak into people's lives if God's been pressing something on their heart. But if we go about it the wrong way and we take someone's word as 
truth and we don't let God work it in us, sometimes it can cause us to be cynical or skeptical. Or that person said this, or I don't really know. If, if one thing was wrong that they said, then probably everything is wrong. And, and we go to extremes many times. We may ask ourselves, what do we really believe at that point? So I want to tell you this morning that you can hear the voice of God. I want you to, I want you to hear this morning that God still speaks today. He absolutely still speaks today. One large denomination many years ago posted a billboard ad in a campaign that some of you maybe remember over the years. And all it said was, he still speaks or God still speaks or something like that. And it's true. He does still speak today. And yes, you can hear his voice. And I want you to hear this. God does not show favorites. He doesn't show favorites. And what I mean by that is he wants to speak to you as much as he wants to speak to others. He doesn't have favorites where he says, you know, um, Paul, you're going you're gonna to hear me this much because I love you this much. But, you know, this person over here, you know, like, you know, this person, I mean, I love them this much. And I'm going to talk to them every, they're going to know what shoe to wear every day. They're going to know what restaurant to go to every day. They're going to know to turn left out of their driveway or turn right out of their driveway. You're never going to hear me that clearly, but you're only going to hear this little bit. God doesn't look like that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't show favorites. And he's not saying someone else is more valuable than anyone else. If you are looking to hear the voice of God in your life, you can hear the voice of God in your life. It's so important for us to understand that because when we listen to people, now I'm not talking about people that have different types of gifts or spiritual gifts. I'm talking about right here in your heart, your personal relationship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you. He will speak to you and he will confirm it if you are looking for it. This is so important for us to understand. It's so important. So this morning, we're going to talk about it. But before I answer the question, how can I hear the voice of God? I want to answer it with another question. So if you're asking yourself, how do I hear the voice of God? Here's my question back to you. Where is your quiet place? Where is your quiet place? If you don't have a quiet place, you cannot hear the voice of God. If I do not have a quiet place, I cannot hear the voice of God. And let me explain it this way. Our quiet place is more than just a place. Sometimes people associate that with a prayer closet or a very special place we go or the desk that we're used to sitting at and we write. The quiet place is more than just a place. It can be a place, but it's more about the posture of your heart towards God. Because the quiet place can go with you everywhere you go. You can hear God whether you're in your home. You can hear God whether you're in your business. You can hear God here in this building. You can hear God when you're celebrating and you're joyful and you're on vacation. You can hear God when you're walking through difficulties and tragedy. Your quiet place can be a physical place. But it's so much more than a place. It's a posture of our heart. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is that very truth. Now, there's a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that I want to walk through and pull out a couple of principles before I get to the quiet place concept. And I want you to read along with me. We're going to look beginning in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it tells the story of a young boy named Samuel. Now, some of you know the history and the story of Samuel. If you don't, here's a crash course uh, a summary of Samuel. Samuel became a priest of Israel. Samuel was the son of a woman named Hannah. 
Hannah was unable to bear children. She had no children. And you see in the beginning of the book that she pleaded with God for years and would go to the, the, the temple and she would pray um, at, the tent of, uh, at the tabernacle of the, Mo, of the tabernacle of Moses and pray before the priests and just lay bare before the Lord saying, please, would you give me a son? Would you give me a son? And then she made a declaration and said, if you choose to give me a son and you do that when he is of age and I can wean him from myself, I will fully dedicate him to the work of the Lord. And as we see through scriptures, Hannah became pregnant and she gave birth to a young little baby named Samuel. And when Samuel was of age, he was entrusted into the care of Eli, who was the priest of Israel at that time in that spot. And he trained Samuel as a young boy to become a priest. So that's where the dedication came from. Hannah would go and be able to visit her son, but as the son grew and understood the different things of what it was going to become, what was necessary to become a priest, he became more closely connected with God and his relationship with God became more intimate. This is the beginnings when he began to hear the voice of God. And I think we can learn something from this passage on how we can live today and what we need to do to be able to hear the voice of God. So beginning in verse 1, I want to read in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rather rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. There's a few things in this passage that I just want to pull out briefly this morning that I think is a starting point for us to understand how to hear the voice of God. And I want you to hopefully follow along with me for a few moments as I break some of those out. But but there's really four things I want to talk about briefly today, and you see them in the scripture. The first thing that applies to our lives today, I think, from this passage and how we can hear the voice of God is what we see here is that Samuel's position was near God. Samuel's position was near God. Now, the scripture says that he was in the tabernacle of Moses where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, the Ark was the, the um, box that the Israelites made that contained some very key elements um, from their journey through the wilderness. And the presence of God was, would reside with the ark. Where the ark was, the presence of God was. And the story in the scripture tells us that Samuel was in the tabernacle of Moses where the ark was and he was close in proximity 
to the presence of God. So I'm sharing that with you this morning because there is no ark today that we can be near. And the buildings that we live in today um, don't, aren't more spiritual than others, okay? God doesn't necessarily reside in a brick-and-mortar place. Today, the tabernacle that we see, according to the New Testament, is through the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts. But it doesn't change the fact that to hear the voice of God, your position needs to be close to God. And I can tell you, though there is no building, and though I'm a follower of Jesus and I've trusted in Christ, some days my attitude, some days my priorities can bring me closer to God, and some days they can take me further away from God. You understand? You following what I'm saying here? This is so important for us to understand. What we fill ourselves with will either bring us closer to being in the presence of God or take us further away from being in the presence of God. And we see things based on what we prioritize. Some of you like to go car shopping. Do we have any like diehard car shoppers when you love to go? Like anyone like shopping for a car? Anybody? No? No one's? Okay, we've got a couple people maybe. You like to go shopping? I know you work at a car place, so I know like you're good for that, right? But, but listen, when you see something, this happened to me many times over the years, It's like, I was like, the Holy Spirit must be speaking to me. No, no, no. Let me me explain something. When you start focusing on something in your mind, you start seeing it everywhere you look. Ever had that experience? Look, Look at this unique car that I bought. Wow, I can't, I've never seen a car like this anywhere. I bought it. I get in the car, I drive around. Everyone's got the same car. This is true, right? Ever had that experience? It's not just that. You know, it can be, wow, you go into a store and you're like, man, that style is just totally awesome. I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of people. I'm totally buying that. You get on, you're like, wow, I look like everybody else now. Plaid's in, everyone's wearing plaid. You know, it's like we all start seeing it everywhere around us. That is not, let me say it this way. That is not a download from God, the Holy Spirit saying like, thus saith the Lord. He has wired us physiologically. He has wired us to filter out things that we don't focus on, our brains naturally filter stuff out, but it allows things in that we begin to focus on. So can I tell you, if what you're focusing on, if what you're focusing on are things that are going to take you further away from God, you're going to have a harder time hearing his voice. You hear where I'm going with that? This is so important. Okay. People today, I mean, what better opportunity for us to talk or example to talk about today? What are we focusing on every moment when we get up in the mornings? I mean, what news broadcasts are you paying attention to? What organization or movement are you spending your time? What radio program or talk show hosts are you listening to? What anything that's going on around you, I'm not saying it's bad to listen to any of those things or to focus on these things, but what you focus on is what you're going to dwell on. And I can tell many times just by having a conversation with someone where they are spiritually because of what they're focusing on. You can listen to someone and tell what they're focusing on just by the way they talk. If people are walking with a level of fear in this culture right now that paralyzes them, they're not listening to the voice of God. I'm not saying we shouldn't be cautious. We need to be cautious. Some of you in here are wearing masks. Some of you are not. That's fine. I'm not going to judge you either way. I don't really care. And you know what? I don't think God does either. Use your brain, he says. Do what you feel comfortable with and just worship me and come together. Let's be honest. Let's be true to that. But there are things, if we're not careful, if we focus on, take us further away 
from God. If we walk with an attitude of fear in the culture that we're in right now, and all you have to do is listen to a lot of things online. What news service do you want to listen to this morning? My wife and I were just talking about that this morning. If you're not looking at broader things and you're focusing on one thing and you spend most of your time digesting the stuff that's being pumped into you from the culture around, you are going to become a product of the environment that you are focusing on. Add up how much time you spend listening to the news events of what's happening around us. Add up how much time you spend focusing on the things that are not rooted in God's word. Add those things up and then compare it to the amount of time you spend doing things that remind you and focus you on the truth of God's word. Can I tell you, whichever one you feed more is the one that's going to win in your everyday life. This is so important for us to understand right here, right now. Samuel was in a place where God's presence resided. The position mattered. So whether that's in your home or whether that's in your work environment, whether it's here in church, it doesn't matter wherever it is. You can be in a mindset where you're thinking on the things that are godly, that you're dwelling on the things that are righteous, that you're not just, you're walking in caution, but you're not walking with a fear and a paralysis that the world tells you you need to walk in. The mission of the church never, ever changes. And God has promised to be with us today like he was yesterday and like he will be tomorrow. And he never changes. And the beautiful thing about what I hear about that when I read the scriptures and you see that is that he says, if you feel weak, if you feel incapable, if you feel like you can't move forward, okay, because you can't without me. And the times that we are our weakest are the times that we can rely on the presence and the power of God to strengthen us in this world. Are you staying close to God? Is your position near God? The second thing I want to mention to you briefly, not only was Samuel close to God's presence, but he responded when God spoke. He responded when God spoke. And you know what I love about the way this story talks about? He didn't even know what he was doing. He didn't hear it and say, Ah, thou must beeth the Lord. And I shall receiveth thee word, and I shall go into the world. He just was like, Eli, what do you want? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go home. Go back to bed. Goes back to bed. You know, Samuel, Samuel. Oh, hear him again. Eli, what do you want? See, he didn't stay in bed. When God began to speak, what did he do? He got up and he responded to it. And you know what I love about this? This is so beautiful when you think about the whole truth of the gospel. Learning to hear God's voice is a process. It's a journey. Because you don't hear it right the first time doesn't mean you won't hear it right the next time. You with me? We think sometimes, well, if we messed it and we messed it up, certainly, I mean, maybe God loves that person because they got it right, but I don't know what's going on. No, no. The response that God looks for is for us to discern his voice by responding to it. This is no different than our children when they were little. Any one of us that have kids when they're really little, when they're really little, like infants, you know, like they're just born and they just kind of sit there and they don't do anything except cry and go to the bathroom and then they want to eat. When they just do that, they don't pay much attention to you. But can I tell you, especially my youngest, when she was really, when she was in utero, okay, it's not embarrassing, just chill, it's okay. (laughs) But after she was born, the sound of my voice would turn her head towards me. 
because she would be in a church service and I'm speaking with a microphone and that, that sound was a familiar sound to her. And as our children begin to grow, the familiar sounds of mom or dad begin to connect in their brain. You hear where I'm going with that? In the beginning, you just say, oh, cute little baby. And they're just looking around. They don't know what's going on. But after a while, they hear the voice of mom. They hear the voice of dad. And what do they do? They start moving their head in the direction because it's a process. And the more they're exposing themselves to the voice of mom or dad, the more they're going to continue to track in the direction of mom and dad. This is exactly what Samuel was doing. He just didn't know it. God spoke and he responded. God spoke and he responded. God spoke and he responded three times and he didn't know what was going on. But he continued to respond. If you want to hear the voice of God more clearly in your life, you need to respond to what you think God is saying. So important. We can't just take it and hold it and expect things to happen. We can say, God, is it really you? Is it really you? And then discern, like I was saying earlier, when someone comes up to me and says, the Lord wants you to hear this, or the Lord's told me this, I always welcome that and say, thank you for being willing to share that. But I can't just take it at face value. I put it in my pocket and I say, God, confirm that in my life. And it's of you, you're going to confirm it. And if it's not of you, it is going to be okay. And I'll continue to move on. But we have to be willing to take steps. Are you willing to take steps? Are you willing to move ahead when God puts something in your heart? Or do we expect him to not just speak it, but confirm it before we're willing to walk? It is okay if in your process you make mistakes. It's okay if you stumble and you don't understand exactly what's happening. God is not hurt by our fumbles. If anything, it's like a loving father who looks at a child trying to come towards him. Remember the first time your kids, if you have any children, will come to you and you get down like on one knee and you say, come to daddy, come to mommy. And they're kind of like, and they're like looking at you like this, you know what I'm talking about? And then they're like, and they fall down, right? And oh, that's so cute. They took a step and face planted. That's beautiful. You know, this is how God sees this. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying he is a loving father. When Jesus said, call him Abba, he meant daddy. He's like a little, a little child to a father. He's saying, call him daddy, call him Abba. Why? Because when you're looking to hear his voice, he's not looking to, to shame you or cross his arms and say, you know, no, you didn't get it right. Until you get it right, I'm not going to speak anymore. He says, listen to me. Hear my voice. It's okay if you make a mistake. It's okay if you're not sure. Just continue to walk. You're going to hear my voice more clearly as you walk. He responded to what he heard. The third thing was that he needed others to help him discern. He needed others to help him discern. What did he do? Three times he went to Eli. Three times he was wrong. And it took Eli's experience and Eli's wisdom and Eli's understanding to say, Samuel, teaching moment. What you're hearing is not me. What you're hearing is the voice of God. And can I tell you today, we need people around us to help us discern the will of God. Consistently, consistently I have heard over the years when God speaks something to me or to other people, especially I'd say for me, many times I have had to talk to others when I'm not sure what's going on and just say, help me understand what's happening in this situation. What's your perspective on it? And I don't talk to anyone under the sun. You have to talk to people that you know are walking and discerning as well. And you should talk to maybe more than one person. But if God's speaking to you, He can use others' experience and spiritual growth to confirm things in your life. What's dangerous is for people to get a word from the Lord 
and go in a direction that's nonsense. Well, God told me I'm doing it. And everyone's like, stop, this is not wise. God told me I'm going. And I was like, well, when you fall flat on your face, don't get angry at God. You're the bozo that didn't talk to anybody. You know, sometimes he asks us to do things that don't make sense. Don't get me wrong. Not everything that you're going to do, everyone's going to agree with. But there are times that when we hear God say things to us, that we are closed off to the input from other people. That we don't want to hear the input from other people. Or I've had situations where people come and they talk to me about things and I listen and they say, okay, is there anything you would like to share? I said, yeah, I have some things I would be willing to share. And they say this, they say, oh, I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? And sometimes what they tell me is almost exactly what I'm going to tell them. And I go, well, why are you asking me? Well, I was hoping you were going to tell me something else. Well, if you already know what God's telling you, because scripture we see in the New Testament, how did they discern through the power of the Holy Spirit as a community? They walked in a community, and it was the plurality of leadership that brought the word of God together. It was the plurality of leadership that canonized the books of the Bible. It was the plurality of leadership that wrote down the tenets of our faith because the Holy Spirit speaks in unity, in one accord. He speaks husbands and wives. Can I tell you in that situation, if you guys are both seeking God and you're both walking in a relationship with God, one of you isn't going to hear left and the other one's going to hear right. It's not going to happen. If you're both submitted humbly to hearing God's voice in that, you are supposed to be one body and walking together. You're going to walk. You're going to walk together. And it might take you longer to get there if one of you needs time, but you're going to get there in the same place. Many years ago, some of you heard me tell that story of Pastor Nick, who was here last Sunday. When he came to live with us, some of you didn't understand maybe what he was saying, but after he graduated high school, he came to live with us. Well, that was something God put on my heart before I put it on my wife's heart. And I was like, hey, I've got a great idea. I'm going to go to my wife and say, what do you think about having a 19-year-old boy that we don't know too well come live with us when we have three young children? It's a great idea. What do you think? You know, <laughs> don't you think it's a great idea? So I, w- I was thinking about that and I went, wait a minute, this is going to be like a bomb if I bring this to her and she's not on board. And you know, in my mind, it's like I can be contemplating things for days or weeks or even months. And when I share it with someone, if they don't have more than like two hours to like chew on it, I'm like, why aren't you on board? Well, I've been thinking about it for weeks and I just had, you just gave me two hours to think about it. Give me a little more time. Maybe that's been you. Maybe that's one of, maybe you guys do that. So I remember bringing that story to her in that situation and say, just pray about it. Think about it. You know, within two days, she came back to me and we had a conversation and we were just unified to say, it doesn't all make sense to us and we don't know exactly how we're going to navigate it, but we know we need to do this. And God puts us on the same page and we walk in a spirit of unity. We need other people in our lives to help us discern. The last thing I want to mention, which I think is what we started with. Samuel heard the voice of God because he found his quiet place. How do we know he found his quiet place? Because of the words he said in the last verse. He said, speak for your servant is listening. See, your quiet place, like I said, is not necessarily just a place. It's a posture of your heart. It's a posture of your heart that says, God, you have freedom to speak to me wherever I am. Whatever's happening around me, whatever I'm dealing with, the posture of my heart is represented in my hands and I am willing to listen and hear what you have to say. And when we do that, he speaks. Because there's humility. It's not arrogance. It's not a boldness that's rooted in our own understanding. It's a boldness and a courage that's rooted in his strength. 
We say, we don't know everything, but we need you today just as much as we needed you yesterday. That's what happens. This past week, if you've been checking out our church Facebook page, uh, we posted um, a funny little bit for people to respond to, and it said, ruin a worship song by adding one word to its title. And I think that probably was the most response from anything we've gotten from people ever in the history. And I know I wrote like three or four of them. But one of the things I wrote on was, you know that song, Lord, I Need You? I just wrote, Lord, I Need You, occasionally. (laughs) Ruins the whole worship song. And I can think about this. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, right? This morning we sang Hallelujah for the Cross. I said, Hallelujah for the Cross Buns. Like, you you can talk about that, and it just ruins things. But think about this song, Lord, I Need You, occasionally. Because when we're not in our quiet place, the occasional actually does come into the truth. Lord, I need you. Not all the time. And it's those times when I think I don't need you is when I'm not going to hear your voice. But when our heart is positioned to always need him and to want him, that's when we begin to hear his voice. We've confused the idea of hearing God's voice with, God, what do you want me to do? The reason why God wants us to hear his voice is not so that we can know what to do. It's so that we can know him. Do you understand? This is a big difference. Yes, he gives us strength and he gives us instruction at different times. But the most important thing that we have to understand is that when we seek God's instruction as the reason for hearing his voice, we miss the point. God doesn't want us. It's not about seeking God's instruction. It's about seeking God. And that's when he begins to speak. And in the process, he does also seek and give us, and he gives us instruction. Because it's not about knowing him, not about knowing, because it's all about knowing him, not about just knowing his will on what he wants us to do. You know people that only reach out to you when they have an agenda. You know people that reach out to you only when they have a question or they have a need, or they need you to answer something. And you know what that does after a while is the only person only reaches out to me when they need direction on something. Do they really want relationship with me, or they just want the knowledge that I have? We can tell the difference, right? So can God. He wants us to hear his voice because he wants us, we, he wants us to want to be with him more than we just want to know things from him. Because it's all about knowing him, and it's all about relationship with him above all things. We're going to turn the corner here in just a moment and we're going to prepare to take communion. We're going to close our service today with communion. And this would be a good time for you to to get your little communion cup out and your little wafer. And like the instructions said, be careful because it is hard to open this up. But as you're opening it, I want to read a scripture for you, and it comes out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The writer of Hebrews says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. You know what that means? It means the greatest way we can hear God, 
the greatest way that we can hear God is through his word because it's alive and it's active and it's living and it's breathing. And the way that we understand it is through the Holy Spirit that he gave us when we trusted in him as Lord and Savior. Otherwise, they're just words on a page. Can I encourage you this morning? And I'm sharing this with you because I'm going to read out of 1 Corinthians in a few moments. And I want you to know, when I read these scriptures, when I read what the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament, when he reads or when he writes his letters to the churches, I envision him writing on a desk with his pen in prison. But I don't envision Paul writing in his own words. I envision him being inspired by the work of the Holy Spirit as he writes those words down. So when I read them, they carry a weight that reminds me that it's not just the words of a man. It's the inspired word of God speaking to us. The very, very basic thing that we can do in the beginning that we should take with us for the rest of our lives is to hear God's voice. We need to be students of his word. We need to know the truth of this word. If you're looking for God to speak to you and you're not reading his word, you're trying to bypass the very first step in the process. It becomes more mystic to hear God's voice when he gave you 66 books that show you what he desires, what he wants, and what his will is. You don't need to pray about something that God's word tells you is not godly. You don't. Well, I'm just waiting for God to speak to me. Open your Bible and read it. What does his word say about that? Well, I'm just asking. No, no, that's an excuse. If you don't know what God's word says, read it. What you will find is there is hope and there is truth. And as Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God will be equipped for every work. And what is he saying there? This book needs to be our lifeline to understand what priorities God has for us. And it's from this place that everything else he says is rooted in. So when he talks to us through the still small voice of his Holy Spirit, he will confirm it in his word. When he talks to us in our prayer rooms and our prayer closets, he'll never contradict what his word says. When his circumstances around us all seem to converge and come together, God will show us what he's doing and confirm that in his word. This is how it works. And if we don't know what his word says, we'll never really clearly understand the word of God. It will feel more like we're trying to go to a soothsayer to hear some downloaded message from someone when really God's saying, I downloaded 66 books for you to start. Make this your bread Make this your meat. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's listen for the voice of God because when we hear him through his word, we are forever changed. I want you to take this cup and take this bread this morning. And I want to read again from 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11. And I want to start with verse 28. Remember, as I read this, it is not just the word. It is the word of God that I believe he's speaking to us that we need to respond to. And he says in verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. This is not just some tradition that we do. 
Eating of the bread and drinking of the cup is our acknowledgement that Jesus controls us, that we have given our lives to him and he is the ruler of my heart. So he says, examine yourself. He doesn't say walk with condemnation. But can I tell you this morning, if you've offended God, if you've doubted, if you've struggled and you know that your behavior or your attitude this morning is something that is not in line with God's plan and God's will, before you take this bread and before you drink this cup, take a moment in silence now and talk to him. Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's not looking to beat you up. He's not looking to make you feel worse than you already do. He's looking for you to come closer to him, and that's the beauty of the gospel. We could never do anything to get in his graces by ourselves. But through him, we can experience life. Let's take a few moments and examine our hearts and just ask him to speak to us before we take this bread and drink of this cup. pray that you would hear our hearts this morning, that your spirit would search us, as the psalmist wrote, search us, know us, reveal anything in us that is not of you. God, the offenses that we've caused towards you, the offenses we've caused to other brothers and sisters in Christ, even if we've been zealous for you, Lord, if we've hurt others, today, may we make that right. If we've focused on the wrong things, Lord, especially during this pandemic, Lord, may we draw back to you today and be reminded that the church is one body and you died for each one of us. So God, we come before you today and we just pray that you would fill us and that you would encourage us as we take the bread and we drink of the cup. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we take this body, this bread that represents your body, and we know it was broken for us. God, may we never lose sight of the sacrifice you made for us, that through your brokenness, we can be restored. Let's take the bread this morning. way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes God we drink this cup this morning remembering your shed blood that through the blood of Christ we can receive the forgiveness of sins that it's a gift that each one of us invite accepts not by our own initiative or not by our own works but simply through the message of grace. We drink this cup remembering your sacrifice and your shed blood and thank you for forgiving each one of us of our sins against you. Let's take the cup and remember how he's forgiven us.
worship team is going to take a few moments and invite you to sing one of our traditional hymns that's been around for many years. But let me just leave you with this scripture. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Can I remind you this morning that when we hear the voice of God and we walk in relationship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in all who believe, you can experience peace. That's why he came. And you can experience peace. And that quiet place will go with you. And you can experience peace when the storms calm or you can experience peace in the midst of the storms. But the whole purpose of the gospel is that he came to give each one of us peace.